we think we can add more value to you to keep you alive longer. So it's not just a one-sided trade in terms of you give us more data and that's it. It's like, no, no, no. We're giving you with that data material, informative insights that impact your own healthy longevity. today to be here with John Sabus. He is the CEO at Foxo. Welcome, John. Great to be here, Josh. Thanks for having me. As a starting point, maybe you could just tell us a bit about your background and how it led to Foxo. You know, we're focused on uh, making longevity science fundamental to the life insurance industry. And longevity science, broadly speaking, is using advanced technologies to predict how long people live, um, and really what goes into living longer, um, and why and how and when do people die. My background really involved um, owning mortality risks. So uh, we owned a basket of mortality risk, and I became frustrated or, how, or, or began asking, can we better predict how long people will live and what new technologies are emerging or available to, to predict how long people live. And it was really through that, that questioning and, and discovery that I came across the science of epigenetics and the epigenetic clock. Um, and that really was the, oh, what's this? It wasn't genetics, it wasn't telomeres, it wasn't you know, diet and exercise, but it was a biological signal that had been discovered uh, out at UCLA by a guy by the name of Dr. Steve Horvath that turns out was highly predictive of how people are biologically aging. And uh, that was the genesis of FOXO. So that's very interesting. So in terms of, you know, taking this from the theoretical to the practical, how, how is it you're trying to, you know, bring this epigenetic science into play? And, you know, what's the difference between epigenetics and just genetics? The difference between genetics and epigenetics is, is pretty uh, significant. You know, we're born with a single set of, of, of uh, uh, well, a, a set of, of genetics. We get half from mom and half from dad. That is your double helix. It's a single strand, or if you will, or it's, it makes up the, your chromosome in that first cell called the zygote. And that cell will replicate uh, at the time we're talking, we probably have around 30 trillion cells in our body now, although with that replicate same copy of the first cell we were born with. That's a very interesting notion. And I think it's one we tend to forget uh, as we uh, get older and seventh grade biology becomes a further and distant memory. Anyways, um, so we have this, this genetic code, uh, but then the question really becomes, how is that genetic code expressed and why? Um, and that's a really interesting thought and question. Uh, that really relates to epigenetics. Epigenetics relates to gene expression. Why do genes express the way they do? What drives them? And how does that change? Um, an example or an analogy that sometimes is used to describe the difference, your DNA or your genetics is the sheet music. And the conductor or the, um, the, the musician, the player, is your epigenetics, right? So you can have a really poorly uh, written uh, piece of sheet music, but a great player can make that just sound beautiful. And likewise, you can have Beethoven on the, on the sheet music, and if you start, if you hit one air, uh, you might not notice. You start hitting lots of airs in terms of gene expression, 
that's a that's a disaster and and that that in in bio, biological uh, terms is disease and and aging and we look at how does environment or lifestyle um, impact gene expression so in terms of you know what that means for what you're trying to do and what's different i mean i'm assuming some of these things you're talking about with a typical paramedical that gets done today you know they're trying to catch some of these things or identify some of these things already so what what's different about what you're doing yeah um uh, great question and really that that's the you know that's where we also we at foxo started our journey really with respect to the commercialized this, this technology if we could identify those same biomarkers that could discern a tobacco user from not a cardiovascular healthy person or not or metabolically healthy or not as examples of key impairments then from saliva uh, to to mitigate the need for paramedical um, we had a big big deal on our hands we had a very very exciting thing um, is it about faster is it about more accurate is it about uh, both um, what what aspects of accelerated underwriting do you think you can impact yeah, look, um, the industries, you know, when we think about InsureTech, we th I, I think and, and think of at the company a couple of key things, right? The industry's, you know, made some great progress uh, in, in certain areas. One of them is accelerated underwriting, fluidless underwriting and the adoption thereof. Um, and in that regard, you know, one of my main concerns has been, am I building the greatest buggy whip ever created? I mean, as the industry is moving to fluidless, I'm here sit, you know, we're talking about fluids for crying out loud. Right, right. And so, so that's been, you know, if I had paranoia, that's been one of the areas of paranoia as an entrepreneur that I've had. Um, so what we've seen is, and particularly around COVID, right? COVID brought all technological advancements forward by about five to 10 years across yep. the board, no matter what we're doing. And in, in the case of accelerated underwriting, when the last couple of years when paramedics weren't welcome in anyone's house, you know, the industry really pushed forward in adopting uh, accelerated underwriting protocols. So look, the industry really, I think, grabbed onto a chassis uh, to uh, make things easier and faster. And that seems to have been the, the idea here all along, make it faster, cheaper, easier to buy. Um, and, and they forgot about agent distribution and value, a value proposition additional for the products themselves. And that's where I think we, we, I think about a lot with the product. You know, are you talking about the whole spectrum of life insurance products here? Yeah, well, we're going to come to market with our, our, our MVP um, later this year, which is a term-based product. Um, okay. And those are, yep, so we're coming to market with term. That, that will use accelerated underwriting, but offer the consumer uh, who buys that product a FOXO longevity report. And that's going to give them insights into their rates of biological aging. It'll give them insights into other aspects of cardiovascular, metabolic, inflam inflammatory, and indulgence exposure. Yeah. <laughs> we, that's a nice way of saying, yeah, maybe you, you should cut back a little bit. So, um, so that's a, that'll be our MVP, um, but we quickly look to work with our uh, our partners and and round out that product suite. You, you know this concept of life insurance that helps you live longer. I think that's pretty easy for a, you know a, a perspective 
policyholder perspective insured to, to wrap their head around. If this report is done at the time of underwriting, then what are you doing to sort of help them not just stay healthy at that point in time, but, you know, continue to engage them and hopefully keep them, you know, on, on the path to stay in that same class? Uh, uh, we can come back to the data. Once we've got this baseline data set, you know, around, let's call it your molecular health fingerprint, you know, um, with epigenetics and even genetics for that matter, not for underwriting, but just to keep you alive. Um, yeah. There is so much exciting work being done in precision diagnostic and therapeutic medicine that relies on and is really built off of that data set. And so really, it's a, it's a really exciting opportunity for you to establish a baseline. We're going to allow, you know, insights that can and will give you custom kind of recommendations to, for, for things you can do to extend your longevity. What I can also tell you is that in a few years when we, we retest or, or when, when, new, when new content, if you will, becomes available, you're going to be first in line. You're going to be at the front of the bus to get access to those sorts of insights. Okay, so if that, if that value prop makes a lot of sense to, you know, prospective policy buyers, then I guess that's the sort of transition to how do the regulators feel about those, these concepts and then also the carriers in terms of, you know, who wants to go first to be associated with this? <laughs> Yeah, um, certainly I don't have all the answers, but what I what I can tell you relative to uh, first of all is transparency, you know, be you know absolutely transparent uh, around what it is you're doing and why. Other third-party data sets, to, from my perspective, are much more offensive than simply looking with an electron microscope for current states of health and wellness to do uh, fair uh, discrimination, if you will, to properly risk classify cohorts. You know what? I know you're not public yet, but sort of looking ahead to that, and being CEO of a public company that's at this stage in the issues that go along with being public, what do you think about that? Public markets expand my ability to raise capital. It's at the end of the day more efficient for me to raise capital there than anywhere else, um, and it it allows investors uh, to get exposure to to this opportunity. Um, so, you know, it's like everything, it's trade-offs. Um, and at, at, at the end of the day, I feel the trade-offs for us right now are, are worth that. And we've got some wonderful people who have invested in this company and are comfortable as well taking us public. Um, and so it was like, let's do this. Well, great. Well, you've shared an awful lot here today. And I think it is, you know, very interesting and something, something, um, you know, that is pushing a new frontier in, in, in this area. So anything that we didn't cover today that you might want to get out there um, as part of this discussion? Um, I, I think we did a great job. I appreciate, you know, your, your podcast, the, you know, your efforts to bring, you know, new ideas and, and, and exposure to, to kind of the cool stuff going on. I think what we're doing is is goes to the heart of the matter in many respects with respect to the life insurance industry. And it's hard work. And I appreciate everyone out there who's uh, supporting us. Uh, we need the support. So, yeah. Thank you.
All right. Well, John Sabus, CEO of Foxo, thanks so much for joining. Thanks, Josh.